we have wins. We have incredible wins. And I, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. The release of the book, you and DC, the big thing at the Willard, people coming together. We have made, if you look at all the fights we got on election fraud, on the Wuhan lab, on everything, the invasion of the southern border, stopping the, the expansion of the escalation of this thing in Ukraine, all of it. The thing I'm most proud of is what this little apparatus has done to give a voice to people to get to the to get to the discussions about the mask to have moms get involved in the schools and particularly in the and the and the vax and the vaccinations I, I i knew zero about vaccination when this started all i knew is that the anti-vax crowd were a bunch of wing nuts <laughs> right they were a bunch of dangerous kooks and bobby kennedy these guys are all a bunch of dangerous kooks and today is going to be the release of the book the body of others right mm -hmm. it's in it's in it's in stores today people can go in the stores and get it. it it is in stores and everybody everybody on amazon that ordered it will get their copies today no amazon has put a limit of four books per customer for some mysterious reason uh, i'm just so <laughs> shocked you know why because they don't want people buying 50 and having a party and handing them out and having their neighborhood That's right they put a four-book yes. limit. And this is the day after Twitter sent me a note that I would never, ever, 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 ever be allowed back on Twitter. What the, is this? The day before my book comes out. Yeah, it just, it's, it's, it's random, right? It's just yeah, random. Totally. No, there's no coincidence. What, what, what did they say? What was it on Twitter that you – by the way, some people don't know, Naomi was my guest for the podcast and radio audience. She's here in studio, which we do very, very rarely given that Capitol Hill's in <laughs> lockdown. Also, also, the worms looked better. Right, and we got our staff out everywhere trying to do things. Um, what was the? Is there anything that you think that you put up besides the book in the last couple of days that would have you permanently banned from Twitter? Yeah, and it, it's like no, no hope of ever like forget ever. Oh no, you're death you know, penalty. Like death, we, no, you're yeah. like war room. Or yeah. Steve Bannon. We're done. <laughs> We're, We're done. done. Um, well, yes. Well, first of all, the bodies of others does follow the money, and it shows readers how. Entities like Amazon um, profit from suppress suppressing our liberties and suppressing the human ability to gather and to connect with each other, mom and pop shops, sole proprietor businesses. It tracks how the lockdown and the policies around them really uh, crushed the middle class, but also diverted money and power to tech companies. So one of the tech companies is Amazon. So they're maybe not going to love it that you know now that they know what's in the book now that, that people will be able to follow this money and see how this has been not a public health crisis so much as a, a, you know as the subtitle says a war against human beings um, in the interest of big tech the ccp and the world economic forum but there is something else that happened and i really you know i'm sitting at ground zero of this incredible miracle that is the war room posse because they've accomplished something as you've said truly historic um, the War Room volunteers, these 3,000 uh, RNs, uh, doctors, uh, biostatisticians, medical fraud investigators, uh, clinicians, they, as you know, have been going through the 55,000 Pfizer documents that were not to be released for 75 years, but were forced to be released under court order. And they've found many headlines, but what happened yesterday was that I took the reports they'd done on reproduction, childbirth, and lactation, um, which shows that the vaccine essentially harms the process of reproduction in multiple ways. And, and I added the report they did on lactation that shows that babies who are nursing are getting sick from vaccinated mothers, and at least one has died. And I showed, I, I 
posted and integrated their report that showed that of 270 women who got pregnant in the trials, 230 plus were disappeared. Their records vanished from sight in the trials, but that of the 36 or so, 28 of their babies died. 28 of 36 women's babies died in the Pfizer trials. And then uh, an Israeli journalist named Etana Hecht um, added to our analysis three studies that show that there is a baby die-off. And we've talked about this a little bit, but this substack puts it all together in a terrifying way. A baby die-off in Scotland, in Canada, and in Israel. In Scotland, twice the number of babies died. In Ontario, Canada, 86 babies died. The average is five or six. And in Israel, uh, deaths to vaccinated mothers are up 34%. So um, that's there. 100,000 people saw it in 24 hours. And I don't know if that's the reason I'm suddenly persona non grata, but it's definitely, uh, it should be making news. It's, it's the biggest news there is. Did that come up? Before they took you off, or you put this up, that, that came up before you, they you, they took you off. That's why they took you down. There's no doubt. Permanently. Who knows? There's no so heads many reasons. Up, no, no heads up. Um, we're going to get to the book when we come back. We've got a lot to get through today. Uh, but real quickly, we've got about a minute. This massive victory of this audience also and others to, uh, on the World Health Regulations. Yeah. What's the latest on that? Yeah. It's my understanding that 12 of the 13 U.S. amendments have been withdrawn because of opposition. But also credit to African nations. You know, they the have not had exactly. Yes. They know what slavery is, <laughs> you know, and they know what it means to be colonized. And they were like, no, slow down. We're not going to hand over our sovereignty. So it's diplomatic speak, but they said, we want to not fast track this. We want to slow walk this, meaning not right now. Yes. And meaning never. We, we got to be at the ramparts, but this thing for right now is dead. And it's the reason that other nations, when they were alerted to the fact, otherwise this thing was just going to glide through. Sail through. And so you're right. There are huge victories, but they just keep coming over the top these evil doers they just don't stop don't, don't be sad okay we're i'm happy i'm happy <laughs> yeah, we're winning yeah, yeah, we're happy. okay we're gonna take a short commercial break got the name and by the way i finally got my hard copy the bodies of others amazing cover some incredible pull quotes back here tucker carlson dr paul alexander eric metaxas but i have to say the money quote stephen k bannon i mean come on that's, <laughs> that's gonna sell some books people turn this is amazing <laughs> The bodies of others, the new authoritarians, COVID-19, and the war against the human. That's a pretty bold subtitle, ma'am. What do you mean by that? Uh, and yet not bold enough. I mean, this book you know, predicted exactly where we are now. It goes into detail about the role of the World Economic Forum, and that was before the World Economic Forum said, let's just take all your sovereignty forever. And uh, it also, I, I wrote this subtitle before, looking at the Pfizer documents that you have to conclude over a year of harms, over a year of damage targeting, you know, the the fetus, the amniotic sac, lactation, uh, survival, neurological disorders. I mean, this is a war against humanity, and I don't want to believe it. I don't want to reach that conclusion. You just showed images of the southern border where thousands of people are, f are flowing in. I mean, we've stayed ahead by being willing to look at the ugliest thing that is before us and and we've managed to counter each time by being among the first to say oh my god this looks like an invasion or oh my god this looks like harms against the human species so having looked at you know all the evidence that i offer readers here 
you know, I've concluded, and the, the Pfizer documents and the invasion are, are just some more examples, World Economic Forum is another example, that there is a war against humanity waged by these oligarchs and by the Chinese Communist Party and by the World Economic Forum. They want to keep us suppressed, autistic, crippled. They, they want to keep us subjugated. Um, they want to take all our stuff. There was a massive transfer of assets during the lockdown. And they want to mask our children so that our children will not have good communication skills and be American children, essentially. They want to suppress American culture. They want to invade our sovereignty. They want to dilute our sovereignty. Uh, you know, how much, how much more do you want? The evidence is in. So, you know, we've never seen this before, but history shows that people who realize, oh, it's 1933, I've never seen this before, but I'd better get out of here. Those are the ones who survive or talk, fight back. <laughs> talk about your journey in, in writing the book. I remember the first time we had you on, I think it was in March of 2021. The audience goes, oh, my God, no, she worked for Hillary Clinton and she's a super liberal. She's super progressive. She's on MSNBC. And then because many of these new authoritarians are people that you've known your entire life. So that whole journey, when you sit here and say, hey, they're doing this, this, and this, I know many of the people that you were colleagues of, and they may still be personal friends, they fall into the new authoritarians. Are you saying my friends are tyrants? <laughs> <laughs> What's scary to me is to sit here on MSNBC and see the embrace of the national security state, to see yeah. the CIA guys, to see the New York Times and the MSNBC rubbing up and hugging on the, the, the CIA, the, the, worst the worst aspects, the, the guys that made, got, us in, in, got us and destroyed us in Vietnam, the same things, the lies of the Iraq war. You see the same characters up here. And you see the Republicans who used to tell those lies, are, you know, uh, Wallace, all of them are, are up there every day. And you're sitting there going, this is like through the looking glass. Upside down world. It's upside down world. Yeah, we used to be the ones, the liberals, the left used to be the ones uh, protesting the CIA and fighting for free speech, free speech. and bodily autonomy. ACLU, now it's all that. right upside down. But you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't see this as a partisan thing because if you look globally, it's a script. It's a global script. And Canada is run by a liberal. You know, Scott Morrison was a conservative. Boris Johnson's a conservative. It's really transnational. And we saw that with the World Economic Forum power grab. Um, but you are right. I mean, my side, the left, you know, unfortunately, we are the, the, the head of the criminal enterprise here right now. How did that happen? Uh, I'll tell you, but just I, okay. I just want to say one yep. thing, which is, um, w I do go into detail in a couple of chapters in the book about what it's like to be basically in the, you know, left-wing media elite and, and how there's a flaw in reasoning among us that if we're doing it, it can't be bad, right? That it, and it's profound. Like, yeah, you know, but if the CIA is directed by one of our guys, they can't do anything wrong. But if it's us, you know, injecting children, it can't be wrong because we're good people. And the other thing that I take readers um, into is the kind of drawing rooms and cocktail parties and dinner parties of what is now kind of a transnational uh, network of people who really know each other and hang out together, whether they're from Germany or from Greece or from, you know, African nations or Pakistan. And, and they have more allegiance to one another and other elites and elite transnational institutions than to the men and women of their own country. So fellow Americans are theoretical. Fellow Britons are theoretical. And they never see the consequences of their actions. And the other discourse, and I, I was at some Ivy League 
events over the weekend, you see this in full force, is that, you know, we're smarter than everyone else. And so we have to decide for them for their sake, for their own good. And so you do get this kind of global elite technocracy who never see the harm be that they're doing to others. And they have to, you know, and, and they their decisions tend to make billions for them and their friends and their portfolios. But they justify it by we have to save these deplorables or these, you know, working class losers or these middle class know nothings from themselves. I'm not kidding. No, no, no. That's right. I, by the way, I'm just waiting for the page one New York Review of Books <laughs> review or the New York Times. The d probability the New York Times reviews this book is zero. Zero. <laughs> so Less than, than zero. Less than zero. <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, okay. No, this is why the bodies of others, it's out today. You can get it in a bookstore. In Amazon, you can only get it. When Amazon's limiting the number of copies. I've, I've never heard of that. Never ever, heard of, ever. Never. But that's, they know this book's dangerous. And it's already a bestseller in a couple of categories. Yeah. Who limits sales of something that's selling, right? <laughs> that is upside down world. Upside down world. Todd, uh, this is the problem. We've got a invasion. It's the first, you know, I know a couple of times we got into Canada, and, of course, Pancho Villa came up to Columbus, New Mexico, and shot that place up. We've had a couple of incursions. We've never had an invasion. This is an invasion of American soil. People have to understand exactly what it is, how well thought through it is by the Biden administration. They've taken the, the Apache, the black uh, Apache helicopters down to the Darien Gap. You know, Michael Jansom, uh, Mayorkas, and these guys. This thing's all planned. They got the Greyhound bus company there with your footage. They got American Airlines at Del Rio. This is a planned operation. Todd Benzman. Well, like I mentioned, the Title 42, uh, the judge's order to keep Title 42 in place, I don't think that anybody should put too much uh, hope on that because – the Biden administration has punched so many holes in the soup bowl that it can't really hold any soup anymore. I'm talking about Venezuelans, exemption for them, Nicaraguans, Colombians, Africans from all over Africa. Anybody who comes to that border who is not coming from, who is not a Mexican or from Northern Central America, uh, pretty much is going to be waved right through Title 42. And uh, the issue with that is that we are seeing this really tremendous spike because of it. And the, the, the source of this, it's a little bit difficult to understand, but I'll try to explain it, is that the Mexican government suddenly came up with these new rules. We are not going to accept your Title 42 expulsions of this list of nationalities. Uh, and so we just said, as, a, as a, the White House just said, okay, we, we'll just take them and, and, and put them through. And I think under the Trump administration, you know, Trump probably would have said something like, well, how do you like 28% progressive trade tariffs uh, that would ruin your economy? Uh, but instead, we're just saying, okay, and it's seven days a week, buses all day, seven days a week all along the southern border, on Greyhound, on charter buses, on American Airlines in Del Rio at least. Today and this week, American Airlines is tripling its capacity to fly those exempted uh, 
illegal aliens into American cities. At least 14 American states uh, uh, that I know of from just Del Rio alone. And so when Oscar is down there talking about seven or 11,000 caravanners, uh, I'm, I'm going to bet that the vast majority of those caravanners are going to be people who fit these nationalities. And they're going to come to Del Rio because we have American Airlines and Greyhound and a Biden administration that's just waving them through. So Title 42, I think, is is over. I, you know, just uh, I, I wouldn't put a whole lot of hope on, on that. I know people were thinking about, the, oh, great, there's legislation uh, proposed to uh, put Title 42 to make it permanent. Uh, but well, the, you could. My my, my point is, if people, if the Republicans were prepared to take action and get down there and really get into this fight instead of hiding, and that's behind, where, where are the where are the elected officials? Where are they? Give me. Do you have the fourteen nationalities? Where are the fourteen nationalities? Do you know? Well, no. I said there were fourteen states that they're going to that I know of. Oh, I'm but sorry. I, what, what, what you said? Forty two. What are the title for? You said there's a bunch of nationalities that Mexico has informed the White House they just won't take back. Do you know what those nationalities are? Yeah, the top ones are going to be Venezuelans, Nicaraguans, Colombians, uh, Peruvians, uh, which is a new one. Uh, I met a bunch of Peruvians on my last trip down there a couple days ago. Uh, then also but here's a scam. But hold on. But but here's a scam. Here's a scam. Why did they let him through the southern border? I mean, when President Trump was there, he had the frontline nations, and he had a deal that they wouldn't get through the southern border of, of Mexico and into Mexico. Why are there all those – everything you just named has to come through the Darien Gap. Why right. are we not – why is the Biden administration – or why are Republicans not there? And why are Republicans not – instead of being on these junkets, right, why are you not – you know, I don't need to see you walking around uh, on Memorial Day. Fine. The American people – can commemorate the war dead. You should be making sure we don't have more war dead, right? One of the things you should be doing is going to the, the southern border of Mexico. That's the way you can honor people. Honor them by doing your job. Honor them by doing the hard work, the unpleasant task. Like they did the unpleasant task. They gave all, and the, trust me, it was all unpleasant. No glory in it. It's all unpleasant and nasty. Why these elected officials sitting there, you know, giving me all this hollow talk, all they do. Why are they not on the southern border of Mexico? Mexico just says these nationalities, well, everyone you just mentioned, Michael Yan and you guys and, 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 uh, and Oscar Blue can tell you, they all got to come through the Darien Gap to get to, 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 get to Tapachula. This is oh, the I scam. Can... It's a con. It's a total, this thing is a total, well thought through con. And Biden, these guys think they're not going to get impeached. They're, they're living in a dreamland. Everybody at DHS, everybody at the Justice Department, everybody at the State Department, keep all your receipts. Because, look, just because we're going to impeach Biden doesn't mean you can't bring criminal charges against all you guys. You're allowing a criminal and, and uh, look at this thing that just came out about what, what the folks they found, out, found over the weekend. Criminals, sex traffickers, all of it. This, they, they are allowing a criminal invasion of the southern border of the United States, and they're not just looking the other way. They're exacerbating. This is a well-thought-through plan. That's no conspiracy theory. Those happen to be facts. Todd Bensman. Well, when you get Oscar back on the horn, ask him what the nationalities are okay. of okay. most of those 7,000 down there or 11,000. Okay, hang on. Let's you seek and that show fine. You ask and we deliver here at the war room. We're going to bring up to Todd Benson. Todd, I just want to get people up to speed what you how you spent your Memorial Day weekend. Who did you interview? 
what were they doing and what American uh, companies were assisting? Well, I was back and forth in the Del Rio, Piedras, Negras, Eagle Pass area, uh, just trying to figure out what's going on with uh, now that Title 42 is supposedly back. Uh, and uh, what I found was that it is not happening really at all in that area and probably not anywhere else. The conveyor belt of moving migrants, immigrants, uh, illegal aliens from Mexico into the American interior is roaring. It is full blast and expanding and escalating in speed and capacity. Uh, they, the, the numbers are very significant. We're looking at uh, already uh, over 1.3 million have been brought in, imported into the United States since Inauguration Day. In the Del Rio sector, uh, they're talking about the nonprofit uh, organizations that facilitate the transportation of these uh, aliens by air and bus. They tell me that uh, they had 22,000, which was a historic record for them that they moved in in 2021. So far in just this year, they're on track for 40,000, which means that border wide, we're looking at a tremendous number. It's happening right now. This is the time that it's happening. You'll see the numbers break here probably in a month or two months when we finally see how bad the damage is. Uh, if this uh, caravan down in Tapachua shows up here, uh, you're gonna see that those are the nationalities that make up the exempted ones. Now on the Piedras side, uh, Negris, the Piedras Negras side in Mexico, there is still Title 42 happening, but it's only targeting uh, Hondurans and Guatemalans uh, and El Salvadorans. And so those people are kind of like the damned. <laughs> you know, they are uh, the ones that can't get in and they're watching everybody else pour in and make it. So mm -hmm. they are runners. They're trying again and again. I had them surrounded. They, they had me surrounded complaining about how uh, the Biden administration won't let them in. Every one of them has a residence card, a Mexican permanent residence card for asylum in Mexico. Lots of maquiladoras down there uh, hiring, yep. but they don't want that. They're using these Mexican cards to just get to the border. Wow. Uh, Todd, real quickly, how do people get to you at CIS? How do they get to you? We're, we'll get into the Greyhound and American tomorrow. How do they get to you at CIS? How do they get to you on social media? Okay, T. Benzman at Getter, and I'm Benzman Todd at uh, Twitter, and my book is America's Covert Border War, which is all about the jihadis who are in that caravan, who are in the mix and on the trail on the way here, too. We've had 42 jihadists cross the border on the watch list, the FBI watch list, in the last 12 months, and more are coming all the time. Okay, uh, Todd, thank you. Look, we're going to drill down this Greyhound American Airlines thing. We're going to get on. War Room's going to get on it. Thank you, brother. Thank you for going down. The footage is unbelievable. I, I've been tweet, I've been putting it up on Getter all weekend. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Fireside chat number two hundred and.
39. Otto is real. Okay. That was a new one. Was that in reaction to 239? So this guy, I was just in Alaska. I, I, I literally came back today. <laughs> and it, it is amazing. Two things amaze me. First, I was up there for a number of lectures. And uh, I, I, I must admit, I was touched by this. More people stopped me in Anchorage and even in rural Alaska to get selfies and say hi than even where I live in L.A. And needless to say, almost everybody mentions Otto. I spoke to one large group and the bio included reference to Otto. The actual printed bio. <laughs> You're a hit, man. You are a hit. And, and as I always note, never goes to his head. By the way, if you haven't been to Alaska, may I suggest that you visit. It's, it was not my first trip. I think it was my fourth. But I never ceased to be touched by its beauty and met a lot of wonderful people, which I do everywhere because there are wonderful people everywhere. There are awful people everywhere and wonderful people everywhere. And a basic trick in life is maximize the number of wonderful people in your life and minimize the number of awful people in your life. But especially the maximize the number of wonderful people. That is one of the great blessings of my life. The number of wonderful people that uh, have come into my life. It's, it's impossible for me to overstate how much that means to me. So what I was thinking, as I always do, about what I, what I would talk about. And it's, this is not like an issue in the news. And often I don't do an issue in the news. This is more about insights into life generally than into any one specific, although I do, I do specific. The last time I spoke about how sad I was about the president's speech in, in Buffalo's, which, well, I won't start it. You could, you could all see it. It's, it's my column up on the internet. You can see it at DennisPrager.com or many other places. So I was thinking about my favorite subject in some ways, and that is gratitude. And what prompted it, it's always prompted because this country is divided between the grateful and the ungrateful. If you really had to, to divide uh, the, the country into two groups, obviously you could say left wing and right wing. You could say Democrat and Republican. You, there are a whole host of things you can say. My big division is between the grateful and the ungrateful. And... I, I don't think it's a secret that the ungrateful tend to be on one side of the spectrum more than on the other. I mean, that, that's, that's obviously a given. If you think this country is awful, you're not grateful for this country. It, that's, that's, that's not a political point. It's a definitional point. But what prompted me to think about it was I am, I'm working on the fourth volume of my Bible commentary. I didn't do it in order. I did Exodus, then I did Genesis. So that was volume, that was book two, book one, book four, book, excuse me, book five, Deuteronomy is coming out later this year. And I'm working on Numbers, which is the fourth of the five books that I'm doing, which is the first five books of the Bible. It's called the Rational Bible. 
And if you think these fireside chats are valuable, I promise you there's nothing more valuable than my life's work into those books, The Rational Bible. So I, I was working on the 11th chapter of the fourth book, Numbers, and it, it's, it's, a, it's really phenomenal. And it describes the Israelites, the Jews, what, whatever term you wish to use, it doesn't matter to me, complaining within a few months of leaving Egypt. They were slaves for hundreds of years, horribly treated, beaten, enslaved. For a period of time, the, uh, the boys that were born were drowned in the Nile. I mean, they went through hell, which is what slavery is. It's hell. And now, a few months later, after all these miracles to get out, they're complaining that they don't like the food that God is providing them called manna. And they, they're going, oh, back in Egypt, we got so much fish. That was the big thing there because the Nile at that time was not polluted and it was abundant with fish. And now we're just stuck with this manna. There we had fish. And God gets really ticked off. And it just says it got very, God got really angry. And when you think about it, that's pretty interesting. God got angry about people complaining. Yeah, in fact, the Hebrew uses the term evil, that they complained evilly or complained in an evil way. How do you complain in an evil way? What is evil about complaining? It's obnoxious. <laughs> I, by the way, I could prove to you it's obnoxious. Nobody wants to live with a complainer. Okay, let's be, let's be clear. We can handle a whole host of non-wonderful traits in the people in, in our lives, but complaining is very high on the list of the worst or low if you, if you, depending on how you want to measure it. If you're married to a complainer, you've got a troubled marriage. If you, your child is a chronic complainer, you've got a troubled child and it affects the family. And it's, what is it? The squeaky wheel gets greased first, right? Isn't that the old saying? Cause they, they, why did they, why did they complain a lot? A lot of reasons, but one is so often it's rewarded. It's a pretty obnoxious trait. But why does God himself, whether you take this stuff literally or not, that's what's written there. So you have to take it at its, at its face value. Why would the most powerful book in the history of the world, the Bible, describe God as furious at people complaining? And, and to the point of even considering it evil. And there is a reason. Because complaining emanates from ingratitude. And ingratitude is about as ugly a trait as exists in human beings. We can handle people who are selfish. I mean, it's not a great trait, but we can handle that. We can handle a whole host of things. Everybody has flaws. But ingratitude is as bad as it gets. And there's a very good reason for that. Because gratitude is the mother of both goodness and happiness. You cannot be a good person if you're not grateful, and you cannot be a happy person if you're not grateful. There are no 
happy and great. Not one. In the billions of people on earth, there is not a single happy and great. Grateful people are happy. Ungrateful people are unhappy. But and, and they're not just that. They're bad. Ungrateful people are bad people. They take it out on others. They lash out. They hurt even those who help them because that's the essence of ingratitude, right? You're not grateful to those who help you. So there's a huge lesson there in, in, this, in, in these uh, verses in, in chapter 11 of this book called Numbers that God gets furious at these complainers because they're ingrates. After all I did for you, I took you out of slavery with all these miracles and you're complaining that you don't have the fish you had when you were, when, when you were slaves in Egypt? That's, that's instead of thank you, that's, that's what I get? That's basically what really ticks God off, and he's right to be ticked. Ingratitude is as ugly as it gets. I, I return to my original point. America is divided between left and right, absolutely, between uh, Democrat, Republican, whatever you want to say. But the division is really between the ingrate and the grateful. It's just a fact. The further left you go in, in the political spectrum, the less grateful you are. It, you, you wouldn't be in that part of the spectrum. When I speak at college campuses, I, I always invite those who differ with me to come up to the microphone first. And, and, and often they do. And I remember... At, in one lecture, I don't remember which university, so a number of young women came up to the microphone and one basically said to me, so wait a minute, you're, you're telling me that I am not oppressed as a woman? And I said, that's right, I'm telling you you're not oppressed as an American woman. And especially as an American woman being given this incredible life of being a college student. Everything is taken care of for you. You have a beautiful room, a beautiful dorm, great meals. Uh, you, you, you don't have to work even in most cases. It's being paid for you by your parents or by the society or by the college. And, and you're telling me you're oppressed? And they're shocked because nobody really looks at them and goes, you're not oppressed. To think you're oppressed is obviously a manifestation of ingratitude, right? Grateful people don't think they're oppressed. <laughs> Can we all agree on that one? Th this notion of uh, I, I am a victim, that's an, another example of the ingratitude. And in, in this country at this time, you're told that if you're not a white, heterosexual, uh, Christian male then you are a victim. Every other group, female, black, Hispanic, gay, every, every group. And what, what does that mean? That means if, if your primary identity is victim, you're an ingrate. By definition, I mean, that, that, that should be as clear as anything in life, correct? I often say that when you go to college, you get a BA in ingratitude. If you stay in graduate school, you get a master's in ingratitude. And if you continue on, you get a PhD in ingratitude. It almost doesn't matter what subject you officially get your degree in. 
the real degree is in ingratitude. And that's ugly. So I thought I, I would open up with that. Because the, the, you have no chance for a happy or good, kind life if you're not grateful.